Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. You can stick it to the man and big tech. Join our FTL social mastodon at social.freetalklive.com. We continue on Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live in our conversation with Craig Murray, former ambassador for the UK, covering what he saw at The Hague in the investigation of genocide charges against the nation state of Israel. It's Liberty Conspiracy. Join us Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Rumble, Rockfin, and my Twitter feed at Guard Goldsmith, G-A-R-D Goldsmith. So it was very clear what this ruling meant and was. And we've seen that completely distorted by, by politicians and the media uh, to a sickening degree, frankly, and, and a scary degree. And this is yet another example of the raw power of the state and the power of propaganda and its deployment against the citizen and against the citizen's right to know what's really happening in the world. And there's so many people, uh, particularly young people, who are are learning about their powerlessness against those who run the state, and that even something as terrible as a genocide can happen, and people everywhere can be outraged and want to stop it, and you have no control of the political class. And the political class is one class. You know, there's no difference between the political... Anywhere in the Western world, I think, there is no difference. But everywhere, both the main governing parties and the main opposition parties, so-called opposition parties, support Israel. You can't change this by going out and voting. There's no one you can vote for who's going to stop it because they're all bought and paid for. I'm sorry, that was a bit of a rant, but that's true. It's, you know, you make me think of uh, just yesterday I read about BMG Music dropping Roger Waters, who has just been outstanding, outstanding in speaking up for peace, speaking up for Julian Assange, you know, just uh, always putting it out there, despite the fact that in Germany they claim that, you know, he's he's anti-Semitic and so on. You've got the German government attaching itself to NATO, which works with literal Nazis in the Svoboda party like Kianibach in Ukraine. You've got these fatuous criminal elements in the United States like Lindsey Graham actually shaking hands, Joe Biden shaking hands with Nazis that went down into the Donbass to wipe out ethnically Russian people. And they've got the gall to claim that anybody who criticizes the Israeli Zionist state policies of extermination and genocide, that somehow we're the ones who are supporting Nazis sentimentally. It's so flipped. It's Orwellian. You know, earlier in the show, Craig, I was talking about George Orwell and how, you know, during the Spanish Civil War, it really opened his eyes up and so on. And it's it's astounding to see when I look at 1984 now, when I read it as a kid, that gray, cement, terrible world, that one-dimensional world was so oppressive to me. Now I look at it and I read it and I was like, I see it's it's mostly it's satire because he was seeing a lot of those things happening at the time. The PR spin, the propaganda, all that sort of stuff was happening in his generation. And we're seeing it manifest right now with Israel and these poor people. And again, I want to praise you for what you did, because 
not only did you cover cover what was happening there, but again, and you did it right here, just uh, just briefly, you sort of st- stepped through what is next. And if I if I can mention this on your website, and folks, you can go to check out it's Craig Murray M U R R A Y dot org dot uk. And you mentioned, uh, so what happens now? Well, Israel has responded by killing over 180 Palestinian civilians since the order was given from the International Court of Justice. And I just want to pause there, Craig, before I go on. And you can either, you know, we can read some of what you said or you can explain how the process goes from here and what technically is the terminology as things stand now and then what happens over the next few months. But just to pause, because you mentioned Kirby. These people, and you're probably familiar with Max Blumenthal, the Gray Zone, or Aaron Mate, and those those people they do have done fen- phenomenal work, just really good work. The people at Redacted are doing great work as well. Uh, the people at Antiwar.com, Andrew Napolitano, they're they're all doing really good good jobs. Um, and the thing that gets me is Max Blumenthal and a few others have gone to Washington and they've been in these press conferences and they say. First of all, they don't even cite the fact that constitutionally in the United States that the the funding, the weapons, none of it is constitutional. All those people are operating completely contrary to the oath to the U.S. Constitution. But operationally, let's say that that's off the table because of decades of normalcy bias. What we see is questions from people like Max Blumenthal saying, well, look, you know, this many thousands of people were killed. You've been cited. They've been cited for doing this X, Y and Z inside Gaza. This has been happening since 1947. This is how many people have died just over the past few days. They go through this information. And then the answers that they get, again, the fatuousness of these people is stunning. Kirby says, and it's always the same pattern. Well, we, they, they say, are you going to stop giving them weapons? And the answer is always this deflection of, well, they understand that we have rules about how these are supposed to be used. They never actually say, you know what? They have broken our rules. They have never paid any attention to our rules. They don't care about our rules. What they care about is pushing everybody out of there. They don't bring it up, and they won't stop. It's just incredible. It's like watching two insane people driving off a cliff. Israel and the United States, and the U.K. is involved, of course, as well. No, I I quite agree. And um, Kirby's an interesting character. He's one that... um, when you see him, uh, you know, he, he tries to come over as a kind of liberal leading heart. And, oh, he's so, so worried about all these dead children in, in Palestine. And, oh, yes, isn't it terrible? And, yes, we've asked them to stop. Um, uh, and, and yet he's just a kind of stunt man for uh, something vicious and cruel. And, and this constant shipment of massive bombs and explosives to, to kill all these children, uh, which is... Behind him, and I, I do wonder. I mean, I, I used to be a you know senior official myself, and I, I resigned because I, I found the war in Iraq and torture and extraordinary rendition unconscionable. And and I do, I honestly do wonder how, how individuals like Kirby sleep at night because I, I couldn't when when I was doing similar things, if you like, I, I, I had to give it up because I, I just couldn't square it with my my duty as a human being uh, to fellow human beings. Uh, and I, 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 I do wonder what some of these people are doing to their souls. I really do. They, uh, uh, it, it, it's quite horrible. You, you mentioned Ukraine, and I want to make 
Um, one very interesting point, but I think shows this is a genocide. In the Ukraine, um, the war there, uh, which has been horrible and killed a lot of people, um, between 6 and 8%, uh, approximately 7%, we don't know precisely, of the casualties have been children, of the killed. Um, and that's normal in a war. That's normal in armed conflicts. But normally um, uh, that horrible phase, collateral damage or whatever, um, normally counties among children are around 7 8%. But that's normal by, by accident. Um, in Gaza, it's 42%. Uh, you know, and look at that. In, in Ukraine, where, where there's been terrible war, 8% of those dead are, kids, are children. In Gaza, it's 42%. And that's the difference between a war and a genocide. That, that's one it's, very yeah. simple, factual definition, if you like, of a, of a genocide. And yeah. um, if you want to look back at the Holocaust or whatever, you would find a similar statistic that, that it was 40% of them were, were kids because... Um, and, and that's when you're deliberately destroying a population. That, that's indiscriminate killing to kill a population. And I don't think enough has been made of that. And I think, uh, and yet, the um, the West is saying, uh, both the United States and the United Kingdom are saying, certainly, that Putin is guilty of genocide in Ukraine. Uh, they're accusing him of genocide in Ukraine, and they're saying this is not genocide in Gaza. And the, the ludicrous hypocrisy of that is absolutely, it's just mind-blowingly crazy. It just makes no sense whatsoever. You, 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 it, if we had real journalists, genuine journalists, and without being over-nostalgic, there was a time when they were good journalists were amongst those working in the mainstream media. My friend John Pilger joined, oh. died recently. And there was a time when John Pilger, back in the 60s and 70s, uh, was shown on, you know, was in huge demand all around the world by mainstream media as one of the greatest journalists in the world. Nowadays, he's frozen out. Well, well he died. He's died, of course. But he, he was frozen out for the last decade or more of his life because yeah. independent voices were no longer welcome. People like Cy Hirsch completely marginalized the greatest journalists are no longer there if there was any kind of genuine journalism going on uh, this kind of hypocrisy this kind of utter nonsense would be uh, exposed and exposed to a to a mass audience uh, and instead we're having to do it bit by bit using social media and good people like your your your, your good self and um, the people you mentioned earlier people like me and um, there are there are lots of us and more of us, and it's going more and more powerful and more and more of the population realise you just can't trust whatsoever uh, the state and billionaire-owned media uh, to get the truth. And um, I do believe that the world is, is changing for the better in that way. And I do think this is part of the tipping point because the story people are being sold is so unbelievable but young people in particular are not buying it. They're just absolutely not buying it. And they're turning to programs like this for the truth. And I think that's very important. 
Yes. And uh, I have to say, you have been unflagging. Uh, when you mentioned John Pilger, I was so glad that you, I get very emotional there because I've admired him greatly for so long. And uh, and there are many others. And I, I think you're right. Your assessment is is really echoes uh, some of the things that satisfy me coming on here. Um, and I might have mentioned in my email to you when I first contacted you, you know, you know I work for MRC TV. They're sort of a paleoconservative organization in Washington. The Media Research Center. I'm on contract with them, so I do work for them because we get along together on free markets and limited government and constitutionalism and things like that. But sometimes they have some disagreements. And um, luckily, they've allowed me to mention things like the United States giving weapons to the Ukrainians and uh, being involved with the Maidan coup and overthrowing Ukraine and establishing the government there and so on. And they have allowed me to mention how unscrupulous it has been to give these weapons to Israel and things like that. And I appreciate that because there are some people there who disagree with with me. But I started this in order to be able to talk to people like you and people in the audience. And I think you're right. There's a kinship there. There's this um, it's you've been unflagging. And I really appreciate what you do. And again, it reminds me of John Pilger, reminds me of talking with John Kiriakou. And uh, let me let me just ask you, uh, Craig, uh, I want to turn to your website uh, again, just just briefly, because. you, you mentioned this. Uh, as far as the process goes here, uh, I don't want to jump ahead, but uh, you do mention a couple of things. I wanted to bring, bring up that UNRWA, first of all, and then let's get into what's next in the process. But you mentioned this. I doubt the United States will veto. Um, well, let me go back. Israel has responded by killing 100, 180 Palestinian civilians since the order was given uh, If the if uh, at the International Court of Justice. If that continues, South Africa may return to the court for more urgent measures, even before the ordered monthly report from Israel is due. Algeria has announced it will take the order to the U.N. Security Council for enforcement, as you implied. Uh, I doubt the United States will veto. There has been a schizophrenic reaction from Israel and its supporters to the ICJ order. On the one hand, the ICJ has been denounced as anti-Semitic, of course, that's their go-to. On the other hand, the official narrative has been incredibly, incredibly, you put in parentheses, has been incredibly, to claim Israel actually won the case while minimizing the coverage in mainstream media. And that's been absolutely egregious, what the mainstream media has done. This has been reinforced by the massive and coordinated attack on UNRWA to create alternative headlines. Let's talk about that just briefly and then go into what the next steps are, Craig Murray. And I recommend people go to www.craigmurray.org.uk. And then we'll close things off, Craig, because I know it's late with you. Um, we'll close things off. I do want to ask you about some of your previous writing, in particular one book that I just cannot wait to read. I can't wait to read this. But let's talk about the UNRWA and the what it provides people there and this unbelievably spiteful action by certain of the Western countries involved with this right after this ruling came out. It's important uh, for perspective to realize that uh, the UNRWA is 75 years old. It was founded at the time of the original Nakba, when Palestinians were driven from their homes and became uh, displaced refugees. Um, And the United Nations realized this was a disaster and founded this agency to look after them. And as there had been successive waves after wave of ethnic cleansing of Palestinians from uh, land by Israel and, and attacks on 
uh, refugee camps in the Lebanon and elsewhere by Israel. Um, it, it's grown and, 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 and grown and become, uh, because Israel, for example, in the Gaza Strip, cuts it off completely, reduces its water supply, doesn't allow it to have a port, doesn't allow it to have an airport, controls what goes in and what comes out. The, there's no chance, never been a chance, to grow the economy there. Um, so you have a situation where Palestinians have unfortunately become very aid-dependent and aid-reliant. They don't want to be, but they're, they're under conditions of siege that don't allow them to do anything else. Uh, and I, I think it's very important to state that. So, um, you know, there are 30,000 Palestinians employed by, by this agency. It runs uh, education. It runs um, uh, all kinds of, of training initiatives. It does microfinance to help people grow their own, give people a little capital to help them grow their own enterprises. Um, and, and it does a huge amount of food aid. Um, uh, and the you know, it, it's become the, the bedrock of the economy of uh, Gaza. It, it, it's... Uh, it's an entirely artificial situation caused by by the siege conditions in which people are living. But it, it's something they can't live without. Without it, people will literally starve to death really quite quickly. So to withdraw funding from it is, is evil, um, particularly in a situation where the International Court of Justice has just made a ruling yes. uh, stating right. that genocide could be occurring here. And part of that genocide is starvation. Um, I mean, this is, a, and the Western governments all did this, all of them announced, all, well, I say all of them, Spain didn't, uh, Norway didn't, Ireland didn't, but, but the main uh, NATO driving powers, the ones leaked, the, the Five Eyes intelligence powers, um, they all moved within 24 hours of the court ruling, they all announced that they were withdrawing funding from UNRWA. And that has to have been coordinated as a result of the action to the court ruling. Governments, again, you know, I worked in government for years. Governments do not make decisions that quickly, big decisions. Uh, they, you, you, you don't go from zero to a big decision in six hours. That, that, that just doesn't happen. But that was coordinated between them and organised as a response to the ICJ ruling. I, I mean, they've, they've announced... The, the response of Western governments to the ICJ ruling is they were already part of the genocide by providing the weapons and bombs and providing intelligence, providing aerial surveillance and other things. Uh, now they're becoming part of it by actually assisting the starvation. They are that complicit. It, it's uh, possibly the single most disgusting thing I've witnessed in my life, uh, this, this attempt by Western governments deliberately, systematically to starve people by withholding the, the aid. And, it, and I have no doubt in my mind whatsoever it was a deliberate reaction to the ICJ ruling to speed up the genocide. I think I, but your assessment, uh, it's when I heard you and George Galloway talking about it on Sunday, my jaw just dropped. I couldn't believe it. It was and, and the way you spell things out here is is spot on. I'm showing something on the screen right now that I think is also uh, highly pertinent, to, especially to this point in our conversation, Craig. And it is uh, 
you mentioned, you say, now think of this. The very next day after President Herzog made a genocidal statement as determined by the International Court of Justice, he was met and offered full support by Ursula von der Leyen, president of the European Commission, and Roberta Metzola, president of the European Parliament. Ms. van der Leyen actually has repeated phrasing that was used in the 1940s when they expanded and took over what they claimed were empty lands, vacant lands. And they're displacing people's families that have been there for generations. And it's just incredible. And even just recently, she's like, oh, you've made you've made the desert bloom as if there was no one there before. What they've made is they've made the desert sprout blood everywhere. It is a it is an absolute field of corpses that they're creating and they're driving everybody out of there. And so I ask you, Craig Murray, um, what are the next steps that we, we might see coming up here um, as far as the process goes and things like that? I mentioned a couple of these things, but you can probably spell it out for our audience very well. Yeah, things have um, uh, moved on in, in the way I said, really, in that um, there's been the Security Council meeting called by Algeria. Um, when the UN Security Council meets, there's a whole process in the background of negotiation before the council actually sits down, where the diplomats try to hammer out drafts and get a resolution that everybody can agree on. Um, there was no resolution before the council at the time of the Algerian meeting, they, uh, the called meeting, that they hadn't got to that stage yet. They held the meeting and just discussed the ICJ ruling. Um, the, American, um, I'm, I'm the American ambassador to the UN, um, she is... You know, I I try very, very hard uh, never to wish ill on anyone and never to be happy when anyone dies, no matter who they are. Uh, you know, I I always try to, to find um, forgiveness, I guess, for, for people. The, uh, I, I think the, the American uh, ambassador to the United Nations is another official who I have no idea how she sleeps at night. She's a a deeply vicious and nasty individual um, hiding behind this kind of liberal frontage. Um, uh, she stated a direct lie. She said that the International Court of Justice had affirmed Israel's right to self-defense, which it most definitely did not. Whoa. Um, and, um, uh, and, and said, you know, well, of course, Israel would comply and was complying, and the United States thought Israel always complied with international humanitarian law, blah, blah, blah. Um, oh. that, that was to be expected. The British weren't much better. Um, but there was one thing at that Security Council meeting um, which was important and which hasn't been noticed. Uh, China spoke very strongly indeed, much more strongly than I've ever heard China speak on Palestine. Um, and China said that the um, uh, China said that the ICJ order must be followed. We'll return with more Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. 
I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. USA News Update. The federal election interference trial involving Donald Trump is being delayed as the judge has officially canceled the scheduled March 4th trial. This comes as an appeals court considers Trump's claim of presidential immunity in the case. The beginning of 2024 has seen robust job growth, with the U.S. economy adding 353,000 jobs last month. That's nearly double the anticipated increase, according to the Labor Department. Significant job gains were observed in professional and business services, health care, and retail trade sectors. President Biden is scheduled to visit California and Nevada over the weekend with plans to be in Los Angeles Saturday. During his time in L.A., Biden will meet with black leaders in the entertainment industry as they prepare for the Grammy Awards. The president and first lady will then travel to Las Vegas on Sunday. That's ahead of Nevada's Democratic presidential primary, which will be held Tuesday. John Schaefer, USA News. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, veterinarian and naturopathic physician. The Dead Doctors Don't Lie Guide with an important message. Take charge of your health. Do not continue to blindly follow the system that has failed us all. I appreciate GCN listeners because you're open-minded and intelligent. If our system is so great, why is it that the United States, the USA, ranks nearly 60th worldwide in longevity and number one in obesity? All the while, we spend more money than all the other countries combined annually on unnecessary health care procedures and toxic drugs. It doesn't take much to get on track, not with the government or pharmaceutical companies, but rather you in control of your own health with a basic understanding of nutrition and supplementation. FDI Longevity has the finest quality health, sports, and energy supplements available. GCN listeners are invited to join our team of people who want to stay healthy well into old age. We are currently looking for specialists to represent FDI Longevity and save America. To buy products at wholesale prices or join our business team, go to GCNteam.com. That's GCNteam.com. Support GCN. Get healthy. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is shopsupertea.com, or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100, shopsupertea.com. Appreciate what we do? Help us advertise, market, and promote for just $5 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Free 
continue on Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live in our conversation with Craig Murray, former ambassador for the UK, covering what he saw at The Hague in the investigation of genocide charges against the nation state of Israel. It's Liberty Conspiracy. Join us Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Rumble, Rockfin, and my Twitter feed, at Gard Goldsmith, G-A-R-D Goldsmith. That Israel must stop its indiscriminate killing of civilians. So that's a direct quote from the Chinese government. Israel must stop its indiscriminate uh, killing of civilians, and the Security Council must take further action. And the the, the Chinese um, normally on Palestine say a few sort of rather woolly nice things and don't actually really do anything. And it's not an issue on which they previously wanted to get into direct confrontation with the West. Um, yeah. And if you understand Chinese diplomacy, they don't they don't speak unless they mean it. That you know if they if, if they say things like you know Israel's got to stop. Uh, there's got to be further action. China, China means it, and yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think that. I, you know, I think the the Biden administration is stupidly sleepwalking into into confrontations it doesn't understand um, for no gain. I have no idea whatsoever, other than the continuing flow of, of Zionist lobby money into politicians' pockets. I can see nothing whatsoever that America yeah. gains from this. Absolutely nothing, and a huge you know, downside. Oh yeah, absolutely. And Craig, you probably are familiar with this. You know, we have this uh, this uh, person, uh, Ron DeSantis, running for president, or uh, now dropped out, uh, but governor of Florida, uh, who twice went to Israel to sign state legislation for his state of Florida that uh, makes uh, harsher uh, it it. Uh, it forces harsher punishments on people if they graffiti a building and they're critical of the state of Israel. They call that anti-Semitic and you will get punished more for a hate crime, of course, very Orwellian. And uh, also, you can't hand out flyers on any state college campuses that might be critical of the state of Israel. He literally went to Israel to sign the legislation for his state in the United States. It's utterly bizarre. I mean, this is Kafka-esque. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, I feel like I'm going to wake up as a beetle and try to get out of bed. It doesn't make any sense. And yet we see this happen all the time. And I think that these people just don't understand as, for example, as the United States engages in repeated bombings of the Houthis in Yemen, as the United States engages in all these different things, there are more and more people in more and more nations that are starting to scratch their heads saying, you know, it's like that classic uh, classic skit where they show the Nazis with their, their uh, skull regalia, and one of them turns to the other and says, are, are we the baddies? I mean, we've got the, you know, people are starting to recognize that this constant aggression and the co- constant weaponization, going back to the invasion of Iraq and all that stuff, this is not right. This is absolutely not right. So what can we expect over, uh, you say, the, would you think over the next couple of months then, Craig? Well, um, there was another UN committee uh, that met yesterday, uh, which is the 
the Committee on the Inalienable Rights of the Palestinian People, which is a committee most people don't know exists. It was set up by the General Assembly of the United Nations many years ago, and this was its 451st meeting. Um, and the South African ambassador briefed that committee. Um, and she said, I was slightly disappointed because she said it's very plain that Israel is not picking to the order. But she said South Africa was going to wait until the end of the allotted month and then see what the report says and then take it to the International Court. Whereas it would be open to South Africa to go back now to the International Court and say, look, we're not sticking to this order and demand another order. That was yeah, done in the right. case of Bosnia, I think. It's, it's been done before, and South Africa could have done that. Um, yeah. But the South Africans were indicating they're not going to do that. They are going to wait for the, the month. I mean, one thing we have to be plain about is I don't think that whatever the International Court of Justice said, Israel's going to stop the genocide. You, you, you have these phased far-right fascist, frankly, politicians in, in, in Israel who are genocidal racists, and, and they're going to still be genocidal racists. You know, you can't, you can't stop them with a, a court order any more than you can stop Hitler. Uh, but... What is becoming increasingly plain, and I think the ICJ will make increasingly plain, is that other countries, and particularly other individual politicians, are going to put themselves at risk of prosecution for complicity in genocide. Um, and yeah. even if you know they, they have a feeling of impunity, they don't have impunity from their electorates. And I, I, I think um, Biden's um, uh, coalition, if you like, is is already creaking. Uh, there are many people who are deeply unhappy about the amount of money being wasted in the Ukraine and, and, and about the genocide in, in, in Gaza. P people who normally vote uh, Democrat are, yeah. are, are really having, having second thoughts. And if you start getting... You, you've now got a situation where the bodies that... It used to be part of the the liberal mindset to respect bodies like the International Court of Justice, to respect bodies like the United Nations. Um, now you have uh, people who are supposed to be liberals condemning the International Court of Justice and saying, well, take no notice of it, and, and, and claiming the United Nations is a terrorist organisation. Um, th there's a schizophrenia now yeah. in, in, in that mindset which um, I don't think can hold. You know, we're, we're entering a new stage of, um, of political ideology, if you like, um, yeah. which is a very, very dangerous stage because it's a stage where, as far as I can see, the power of state worldwide is increasingly turned against the individual. Uh, and the concentration of, concentration of wealth gets worse and worse and, and the, the diminution of economic opportunity for the ordinary person get, gets Worse, worse and worse. So, um, and you know, I, I'm. I think you have to see what's happening in Gaza in the context of these larger moves in in, in society as as a whole. And maybe uh, another day, Gardner, I'll come back and we'll have a wider discussion on those uh, things. Oh, I would enjoy that greatly, Craig. And uh, yeah, you know, it's you brought it up a little bit earlier. The the moral connection, the sentimental connection uh, from this coast of the United States over to you across the Atlantic and all the people watching and so on. Uh, I 
I find, you know, we find the solace, we find the energy where we can. And um, it is a, there is nobility in the struggle. Um, you know, I remember a long time ago, I had a terrible crush on a young woman and she said, oh, she was reading Myth of Sisyphus by Camus. And I said, oh, I'll read that, you know, and I'm actually, I'm very glad that I did because, uh, you know, the, the idea of Sisyphus cursed to being, you know, pushing this stone up to the top of the mountain only to see it fall back down again. And um, what, of course, Camus says is there is a moment there where he's free when he's not pushing the rock and he's going back down. And it just depends on his mindset as to whether or not he's going to make it a positive or he's going to dread having to go back down that mountain and do that work again. It depends on our mindsets. And if we are positive about these things, if we stay strong, and I see this sort of thing with the people supporting Julian Assange. I see this with people like Roger Waters. They say, damn the torpedoes. I'm, tell- I'm telling the truth. And that's what you're doing. You know, the same thing with John, John Kiriakou, and so many people in the chat. So I, I know, you know, I don't want to take too much of your time, but I would love to to talk with you again. And before you go, I do want to bring up uh, one of the items that you have uh, on your website. And I'd like to show this. Uh, maybe sometime we'll be able to talk about this, Craig, because um, you have here the Catholic Orange Men of Togo and other conflicts I have known. And you say, I have been obliged to self-publish my new book, this is a while ago, because of legal threats from mercenary commander Tim Spicer scaring off my publisher. And this is a very interesting story, and this is real. And here is the blurb uh, that you you mentioned here uh, on your website. And you talk about Tony Blair. And uh, I'll just go into this just briefly. The book is an autobiographical prequel to murder in Samarkand and covers, that's another one that we can mention, covers the period between 1998 and 2002. It exposes the links between blood diamonds, crime, and British mercenary involvement in Africa. It argues that the disregard Tony Blair showed for both British and international law in dealing with Sierra Leone prefigured the disaster of Iraq. It also covers my role in the dawn of democracy in Ghana. And, sir, I would love to chat with you about that sometime. I think it would be fascinating. And just to let you know, in 2002, I was in Birmingham at a Damned concert, the punk band The Damned. And I I was the only American there. And the crowd, being a punk crowd, and it was Birmingham, they found out that I was an American, and they were very pro-peace. And they did not like what the United States was about to do to Iraq. And I start. I was in the mosh pit, and I started getting. They were targeting me, and uh, I was. It was. I was going to get hurt. I had a little piece of paper that said "Greetings from the U.S.," and on the back it said "Sorry about W." And in the midst of their encore, the damned Captain Sensible, Dave Vaney, and you know. They they stopped, and I held the sign up, and Captain Sensible looked down, and he says, greetings from the U.S. And then I turn around, and he goes, sorry about W. And he, he had seen me at a, an American show. He goes, I know you. Where are you from? And I, I said, no, near Boston. So he made fun of my accent and so on. And then everybody became my friend because they had such a visceral understanding of the wrong that was going to be happening. And, you know, maybe some of them just didn't like George Bush because they thought he was conservative or whatever. But they understood the bogusness of the weapons stuff. They understood what was going on there, how they were sold, all sorts of canards. And 
to think that, you know, here I am chatting with you and you have continued this good work. I'd love to talk to you again. And again, you know, my bald pate hats off to you. I really appreciate what you've been doing and I hope you'll continue. And I I don't want to take too much of your time because your time is so valuable getting it out there and getting the information to to so many folks. I'd take a little slice and then talk to you again sometime when you're free again. Yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been good to talk. And uh, it was interesting you mentioned Camus as well, because um, we're, you know, our thinking is informed a lot by by what we read, particularly when we're younger. Um, uh, I'm uh, a devotee of all kinds of people who are totally out of fashion now. John Stuart Mill is my uh, my philosophical guide in 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 in, in, in many ways. Um, but I'm also very affected by um, uh, I read the Rhodes to Freedom trilogy by uh, Jean Paul Sartre uh, uh, when I was maybe 15 or so, and I remember Iron in the Soul. I can't remember the name of the other two books, but. Uh, and it finishes with the guy, the the hero or anti-hero, um, you know, France is falling to the Nazis. Everyone around him has surrendering. He's always been anti-war, but the Nazis are coming. And he picks up a rifle and goes and shoots a couple of them. And he knows France is lost and he knows everything is lost. And he knows the Nazis are taking over and he knows he will be killed. But he feels he has to get out there and try and fight the Nazis, knowing it's hopeless and he's going to die. And um, that's, <laughs> uh, that, that's much the same thing as, uh, you know, this, uh, this existentialist idea or that, that you have to follow what is right in your own life. Right. Whatever's happening to society and however you try to affect that through social methods, following what is right and doing the right thing in your own life is the most important thing. But let's, uh, let's talk again another day. Oh, God bless you. Thank you for saying what you said. I really appreciate it, Craig. And I hope people will visit your website. Tell people how they can find you on Twitter as our final farewell. Yeah, my, my website is craigmurray.org.uk. And on Twitter, I'm at craigmurrayorg. Um, I'm extremely suppressed on, on social media, particularly on, on, on Twitter. If you go to at Craig Murray Org, if you uh, follow me, whatever, you, you find you have to keep doing it every week because they'll keep knocking you off and, and you won't, you won't, unless you search, even if you search, you probably won't be able to find my tweets anyway. But, but, uh, at Craig Murray Org on Twitter and craigmurray.org.uk. Well, I sought you out, and I appreciate your response to me, and uh, I salute you. You're a kindred spirit, and uh, I will be seeking you out much more, Craig. Thank you so much, and thank you for your work over the years and for standing up for what is right. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, next time you come on, we'll have the audience ask some questions and so on. I don't want to keep you late, but thank you very much. And I'll I'll email you uh, tomorrow, and thank you as well. Thank you, Colin. Bye. I really appreciate it. Now, uh, with the MRC TV theme in mind, I want to give you a little something that was put together by the really good editors over there. And yes, it does have to do, there are a couple items that I haven't been able to show you yet. Uh, one of them, I think you'll like. It's, it's about you-know-who. It's about a guy I've met a couple times. He's a really nice dude. And of course, he is, yes, William Shatner. Uh, so, you know, I did my time uh, in Star Trek. It's not like doing prison time or whatever, Star Trek Voyager, and it was great. Had a really good time. I never met William Shatner there, but I have met him a couple times afterwards, did an interview with him, and he was a lot of fun. 
uh, very good with horses and donating his time for special projects and things like that. And you might have seen that I wrote a piece about how he's standing up again for against wokeness. So we'll talk about that a little bit with Chris Graves coming up shortly and uh, how pop media is being pushed aside. Christian movies are becoming popular. Well, they already were popular, but they're becoming better recognized as really good investments. Uh, and they've always been good investments. But I think people are starting to catch on and say, oh, I see. And uh, even a guy like William Shatner, who's in his 90s, he hasn't flagged. I disagree with him in some in some cases when he talks about stuff like, you know, global warming. You know, it'd be great if you could get some information to him to say, hey, maybe you're buying into a canard, that sort of thing. Uh, but in other areas, he has spoken up for truth and language and for people to just play it cool a little bit. Just calm down. So here's the piece from MRC TV that I think you might find interesting. Here we go. For decades, William Shatner has been giving people the opportunity to cheer his adventures as he plays iconic character Star Trek Captain James T. Kirk. And now he again is giving people reason to cheer because he's spoken up against wokeness for the second time in a couple of weeks. This time it's about language. It's about the EU. And it's about going where no being has gone before. Hi, folks. I'm Gardner Goldsmith for MRC-TV. You know, as a Star Trek alumnus, you might say, who spent time in the writer's room at Star Trek Voyager, I sometimes wonder at the odd experience of being a young fan of the original series, then targeting a goal of television writing and achieving it later in that same fictitious world I used to watch as a kid. And I have to say, one of the most satisfying parts of the process has been to recognize the realm of television production as a profession, like any other, populated by generation after generation of people doing their jobs at a studio, taking their turn on stage, and heading home. Sometimes people leave it all behind, but sometimes the people involved in the creation of these fictitious worlds remain in the spotlight, supporting the fans, supplying energy to the act of storytelling and bringing attention to real events, real people, and real life that often gets disregarded by folks who might spend a bit too much time enjoying escapism and not dealing with reality. Well, William Shatner, the man who established the iconic character of Captain James T. Kirk on the original Star Trek and its subsequent cartoon series and films, has done that dual lifting work for years. Just last week, I wrote about how Mr. Shatner decorously but judiciously called out parent corporation Paramount for seeming to erase the alpha male Captain Kirk from coming Star Trek projects and promotions. And now Mr. Shatner is taking on a bigger antagonist, the European Union. Monday, January 29th, the 92-year-old Shatner sounded off regarding a woke EU guide, they might call it, that would banish words used in the early days of the television series Star Trek. It's a guide that suggests phasering out lines such as to boldly go where no man has gone before supplying screenshots on x from the original sun.co.uk article that tells readers about this 
EU so-called language toolkit, Mr. Shatner took a low-key, sincere approach to the information he had read. And it's information that easily could cause many sensible people a lot of vexation. Notes the Sun, quote, the phrase made famous by Captain Kirk, William Shatner, has a red cross next to it in a 61-page toolkit on gender-sensitive communication. EU agency, the European Institute for Gender Equality, calls it an example of where women may be subject to invisibility or omission. Well, adding some colorful emojis, William Shatner offered these wise, spot-on words in response. Presentism at work yet again. Why start at Trek? Isn't it better to start at the beginning and redo foundation materials such as the Magna Carta, religious writings, works of Shakespeare, before worrying about a silly TV show opening that reflects social commentary of the time? If people are offended by six seconds of dialogue recorded in 1966 without a modicum of understanding of the social issues of the time, There's bigger issues that they need to deal with first, like educating themselves. Well said and kind of encouraging in a world peppered with malcontents and cultural Marxists who incessantly seem to push resentment and asinine equity motifs that must have some kind of policy answer rather than letting people voluntarily make connections and change minds and build or remove cultural mores as they see fit. You know, a calm, reasoned approach to what might or might not offend, to what might show the mores of a particular time and inform people. Well, in a world of chattering and complaining termagants, well, Mr. Shatner's kind of calm and caring approach shows a lot of wisdom. And curiously, the EU policy so-called guide doesn't even note something important about the evolution of Star Trek. Not only was the show pathbreaking, as some people might say, for its mix of characters and concepts, but subsequent versions of Star Trek and that introduction that originally was made famous on the original series, well, it was changed. Grammatically, where no man has gone before is fine because it stands for mankind, i.e. humans, i.e. homo sapiens. But even Star Trek adjusted to the clamor of feminist forces and to fans who noted that the United Federation of Planets also contained aliens in it. Thus, in 1987... The Star Trek producers changed the motto for the series, The Next Generation, and they changed it to where no one has gone before. And it's been that way ever since. At a time when leftists and wokists try to undercut the cemented final versions of things like fiction by talented writers such as Raul Dahl, a man who isn't here to defend what he created, but who warned people not to change his work, well, it's really, really nice to see a man like William Shatner stand up for reason and natural societal give and take. And of course, the nervous, antiseptic, anti-reality mindset of EU bureaucrats 
stands on the opposite end of that peace spectrum. It's a gray world they want for us, a world that doesn't inform us or develop naturally in any way. The politicians want people to conform. But isn't life more enjoyable if we take William Shatner's approach and stop trying to homogenize everything and whitewash everything and stifle our own intellectual exploration? Isn't exploration part of what makes life great? Thanks for listening to Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live. Find us every Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. on Rockfin, Rumble, and my Twitter feed slash xfeed at Guard Goldsmith. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. Have you ever watched a video on the internet and found yourself waiting for the skip the ad button? The reason this takes a few seconds is because the video delivery companies get to collect impression commission, and the viewer never sees the advertisement. The company still pays full price to run the ad. Does this sound like a scam to you? Is there any wonder why internet ads are so ineffective? For over 100 years, radio has been a proven source for companies' messages. Radio listeners are engaged and want to support the companies that sponsor the shows they're so passionate about. Simple companies like window treatments, security, pillow companies, and more have been able to break away from the big box stores, building multi-million dollar businesses. Find out what radio can do for your business. Call 877-996-4327 or advertise at GCNlive.com. That's advertise at GCNlive.com.